Michigan unbeaten no more. Piling on now is Iowa as they crack the 50 mark against the mighty Buckeyes. But when his number was called, seven got six. What's up and welcome to Spellco Radio presented by Blackheart Gold Pants, SB Nation's community for the Iowa Hawkeyes. I'm your host, DC. With me, as always, it's Jerry Sherwin. Jer, how you doing after Nate Stanley finally got drafted? Last day. Oh, wait. Wrong wrong episode. Wrong podcast. Doing great. How are you guys today? Just fantastic. Also with us is the people's champ, David Johnson. Champ, you won the Nate Stanley bet. How are you feeling? I'm doing some arm exercises to get the hand ready to slap the living shit out of our uh, cohort here, Jerome. Beautiful victory on my bet. I told you Nate Stanley was not going to be drafted in the first six rounds, and he was not. So get that big old no. beard face ready to go, Jerome, because you're getting a cold, hard slap across it. First of all, the listeners all know that you said Nate Stanley would not get drafted. I said he would. Then you backtracked like always and decided to make a stupid bet while getting me fired up. That was your whole goal the whole time. We all know what you did. Nate Stanley got drafted. Say it, champ. Nate this Stanley got drafted. This is what happened. D- DC did an over-under. You said the over-under, under, which would be in the under the seventh round. And then I said, I don't even know if he's going to get drafted. So oh, I, you said he's I not. Take, not. I don't know. I will take the over, which I did. Then you said, let's do a slap bet on it. Then I went back and said, I think we can do a slap bet if it's only the first six rounds. We agreed to said slap bet. You lost, and now you're crying. Plain and simple, DC told us on, on Sunday or Saturday when this went down that Champ won the bet. And it's very simple. I won. So stop being a sore loser. Champ's recollection is correct. First of all, I'm not a sore loser. I paid my bets. There's a video on Twitter of me already getting slapped once. So, Yep, and then we'll be posting a new video when we can get out of this quarantine life and I can slap you again. And make sure you guys are following us on Twitter so you guys can see that video at Jerry Sherwin, at Shy People's Champ, and at Dave Cray. One of us will post it. All three of us will eventually post it through retweets. So make sure you're following us. Interact with us while you guys are all social distancing. We love to talk about anything and everything sports, nonsense. Just get in and engage with us. It's a good time. Also, subscribe to the show wherever you guys get your podcasts. We have thrown out your last dance reactions immediately up Sunday night. We're still bringing you another show during the week on Thursdays like we always do. And uh, let's kick things off this week with a question Jer had that is just fantastic. So right now... The America's fifth major sport, the challenge, MTV's The Challenge, is currently on. And this question is inspired by that from Jerry. Which MTV Challenge player would be the best Hawkeye athlete? And which Hawkeye athlete would be the best challenge player, past or present? No restrictions. Jerry, this is your question. Give me your answers first. Okay, so the best for, and and the, it could be a Hawkeye past, present, future, whatever. So the best MTV challenge participant. I'm sorry. Future. <laughs> yeah, I mean you can pick a prospect He's if you really like. If I want to pick Deuce Hogan gonna... right now, I could pick Deuce Hogan. <laughs> the best Hawkeye player that could make a transition over to MTV, the challenge, where people participate in uh, any sort of sexual activities their mind desires, uh, drinking heavily, and starting drama. There's only one right answer. And it's the guy that has a T-shirt in Iowa City that says DJK sold me coke. 
Darrell Johnson Koulianos in his prime would have been the not only the one of the greatest challenge performers based on his athletic ability, but one of the greatest shit stirrers as well. There's no question in my mind that he would be one of the goats. Okay, well, wh- okay, now flip it on the other side. Which challenge contestant would be the best Hawkeye athlete? Jordan, I'm putting him at corner right now. He might only have two fingers on one hand, but he's still coming up with the rock. He's going <laughs> to lay the hammer. He's the most athletic one on the challenge. He's brilliant. He's competitive. This guy, if he did have a full set of like a full set of fingers on his hand, would be D1 professional athlete in some avenue. You can't shut Jordan down. Champ, any reaction? You have thought a lot about this. Champ, any reactions to Jerry's picks I mean, and what are your own picks? I don't hate either of those answers. I, I like them both. DJK would be tremendous drama on the challenge. I mean, we all know that. And, yes, he is very athletic, so he would probably be pretty good in the actual challenges. So I love that answer. Jordan, I mean, he se- the only problem with Jordan being a corner is he seems a little small. Maybe he slides in as, like, your nickel corner. He could be, like, that feisty. Cash. Shirt cash corner so i don't <laughs> hate you. that i don't hate that answer either i think both of those are solid answers i will start with uh the challenge player that can transition into football and right now it's a new guy it's a guy that's just on just started this season and it's big fessy i mean the guy played division one college athletics uh played college football in college so it would be a natural transition i think he'd be you know maybe one of those little tight end U's for iowa slide him into tight end and he could be a great player. Uh, like let him get in the weight room with Doyle, and who the hell knows? He could be a stud. Uh, in term, I picked two guys. I'm gonna eliminate one because I don't like the answer. What do you mean? <laughs> I pulled the Jerome, and I picked two. I'm just gonna go with my gut with my first answer, and it's Mitch King. Mitch King to me would be an oh, exceptional, an exceptional challenge member. Not only can he just bull rush guys and do with you know when they have the head to head competitions in, you know, purgatory or whatever the hell it is called during that season. He's going to be great at those. But, he, I mean, the guy loves to drink. He loves that party. He loves to have a good time. And he would be perfect for the challenge. He would get rowdy in the house. People would get loud at him because I'm sure he'd say some controversial shit. The girls would probably love his long, flowing blonde hair. I think Mitch King would be a great challenge player. That's a great call. I don't know if I've told this story on this podcast or not before. But after the year after Mitch King graduated, I was sitting in my normal seats in the end zone. I got there early, saved him. Mitch King comes in around the third quarter, and he has lipstick on, and he's wearing cut-off Daisy Duke jean shorts and nothing on top. And he's telling everybody around him, because he's hammered, that the only thing in this world that he loves more than the Iowa Hawkeyes is... Tig, oh, you know what? That's all we kept saying. <laughs> yes, Mitch would be great, MTV. <laughs> Mitch would be great. My Hawkeye player to go to the challenge. It's the same reason you guys have. Who's going to be entertaining? Who's going to be good when it comes to the athletic comp- competitive battles? It's Pat Anger. Oh, that's a good one. No one liked to mix it up while he was a player like quite like Pat Anger. You have pictures of him on the field flipping cameras off. You have him. No one like he loves a good loves a good beer. He has the American flag tattoo on his arm. No one would be as charismatic on screen quite like Pat Anger in my opinion. And flipping it the other way, challenge to Hawkeye athlete. We've seen him be able to put on a lot of weight. So my pick is CT. 
We can have him throw weight on and put him in a different positions wherever we might, wherever Chris Doyle might need him. Exactly. I mean, CT in his prime, I mean, he would have been a stud college athlete. Even now, like you said, with putting on some weight, you could stick him at, like, guard or something or, like, de-tackle, and he could probably be a pretty good force. Did either of you contemplate the Americanzi at all? So I thought long and hard about him. Eh, not really. No, I didn't. I was thinking what all linebackers. Goda, Woda, Boda, no. Americanzi. No. The, the other Even guy, so. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know how entertaining he would be. I just thought he's a pretty damn good athlete. Was Chad Greenway? I thought he would be good in the you know competitions themselves. I don't know how charismatic he would be on camera. So that's why I went with Mitch King. Do you? I'm trying to think out of the three guys we listed. When not necessarily on camera for an audience, but strictly of the other contestants, other people in the house, who gets on the other people's nerves the fastest? Darrell. Yeah. I would. It's got to be DJK. It's not even close. Hands down. <laughs> like yeah. he he would walk in there thinking he's Kanye, and that would be the problem. <laughs> yeah, because you'd be the rookie too, and people don't like rookies act like Kanye. People think like Corey and Nelson are obnoxious. Wait until they saw <laughs> DJK. Oh he would God. totally be in that cohort, though. He, he would, would be. Definitely... They would be like a trio, the three of them, and they would hate DJK the most out of the three of them. How fast would Johnny Bananas be plotting to kick DJK out of the house? Oh, it would be in the first vote. He would be like, "All right, <laughs> we need to get this coke addict out of here, DJK. He needs to be gone." <laughs> Well, Mark DJK off the show. He's never coming on. <laughs> All right. Well, let's switch gears. We had the NFL draft last weekend. We had five question mark. Math is hard. Five Iowa Hawkeyes drafted uh, uh, over the course of the seven rounds of the NFL draft. So let's do a little bit of reaction from the three of us. And then we're going to throw it to our interview with Blackheart Gold Pants' own Rob Donaldson. He came on to break down some of the draft spot landing spots for the Iowa Hawkeyes. But first question, guys, we saw a lot of Iowa Hawkeyes drop, get drafted a lot later. If they're using my over-unders, I think every single one of them hit over. Except so, for Ojemudie. Except were for Ojemudie. I was right there on that one. But every other one hit the over in terms of where they ended up. So which sky falling the most was the most surprising to you? Champ, I'll start with you. To me, it was Tristan Wirfs. I mean, I, to, the fact that he dropped all the way to 13, I know that's in terms of the scheme of the draft, that's not like a huge drop, like dropping all the way to the seventh round or whatever, like Geno Stone and Nate did. But I, I thought Tristan Wirfs was at worst going to go between like five and seven. And then to watch like all these offensive tackles go before him, it was baffling to me. It, it's going to end up working out for Tristan because he's going to Tampa. He's going to be... Tom Brady, I'm sure, is ecstatic that they ended up only having to trade up one spot, not really having to give up that much to get Tristan. I'm sure he's thrilled to have him either as his left tackle or right tackle. Probably starts off at right tackle. I think eventually he's going to be the left tackle of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So that, to me, was the biggest surprise just in terms of the four other offensive linemen that went before him. You want to say maybe one of those guys can go before him, that's fine. But to have those four guys all go before Tristan Wirfs is ridiculous. I couldn't believe that he dra- dropped all the way to 13. But like I said, it's going to end up helping him in the long run. Jer, whose slip, whose slide uh, shocked you the most? Nate Stanley's. <laughs> Just kidding. It's AJ Epinesa. I think it took all of Iowa Twitter, Iowa Nation by a, a shocking surprise. Because you would see, it'd be like, 
Oh, the the Ravens are. Oh, this is the perfect spot for AJ. Nope. And then it'd be like, Bears are up. Oh, nope. And I just feel like we just kept waiting and waiting and waiting for a guy that we, I think, all thought could maybe sneak into the first round, but was going to be in the first like five to seven picks of the second. And him slipping that far to going to Buffalo, um, you guys will hear in a little bit with Rob. Maybe not the best case scenario for old AJ Epinesa, and I feel bad for the kid. But I will say, Champ put it in great perspective when he did get drafted. If the Bills didn't pass on AJ Epinesa, the Bills identified him. Obviously, they didn't have a first round pick, so they used their first pick on AJ Epinesa, so they did see value there. True. Yeah, shout out to Bills Mafia too, because when I tweeted out that you know AJ picked, I think that was like my most liked tweet I've had in <laughs> years. I mean, Bills Mafia coming strong with that one. They love the pick. They love what they've done this off season. I mean, the only reason I didn't say AJ is because we heard DC. We talked about it a little bit last week that we heard his his draft stock was slipping a little bit. That he probably wasn't going to go in the first round. So it wasn't like too much of a shock to me. Yes, he probably should have went earlier in the second round, but I think it's going to be a pretty good fit in Buffalo. I think they're going to be happy with that pick. And yeah, it sucks for him not getting that. You know, his money probably got cut in half of where he thought he would get. But uh, hopefully it turns out to be okay for uh, old AJ. All right, let's shift gears to the most polarizing player in the brief history of this podcast existence, Nate Stanley. Gets drafted in the seventh round by the Minnesota Vikings. And Rob alludes to a little bit. We didn't we didn't pry too much in the interview with him, dig deeper in that, but he said he might be fighting to make the practice squad, let alone be backing up old Kirk Cousins. My own opinion is, you know, in a primetime game, I might take Nate over Kirk Cousins. Just my own opinion there. But Jerry, your boy falling in the seventh round. Where do you what what are your hopes? What are your best case scenario dreams for Nate Stanley? Best case scenario is Kirk Cousins gets his head knocked off and he's starting. I mean, do you really think Nate Stanley and his arm are that much worse than Sean Mannion? I don't, I don't think who, so. I don't know who that is. Champ, do you? The only reason I know who it is is because he played in that Week 17 game against the Bears when the Vikings had already clinched their playoff spot, and he is absolutely awful. So <laughs> it, as much everybody knows how much I'm not a huge believer in Nate Stanley. But he, he did land in a good spot for him to make the team. I, I think he's probably going to be the Vikings' backup unless they're really like they like Sean Mannion in the meeting rooms or blah, blah, blah. Because on the field, he's not very good. Nate Stanley could be better than him. So I'm hoping he does at least make the team. But, yeah, it's – I mean, I, it, I don't think it was a fall. I think that was where he should have went. I just could see Zimmer already falling in love with Nate Stanley. Nate Stanley, a three-year starter. He's been through Kirk's program. He knows how to conduct himself. He knows how to handle a locker room. I'm sure they can. he can handle Kirk Cousins' offensive playbook. I don't think they're doing anything that's that crazy up in Minnesota, more so leaning on the offensive line, giving handing the ball off, and making sure the defense is in good positions to win football games. So knowing a few Vikings fans, they're tired of the Kirk Cousins experiment. They're tired of the whole situation with him not being able to win any sort of important game. So, yeah, why not? Nate Stanley could have gone to a lot of other places and been cut right away, but this is a very ideal spot for young Nate. I don't, I don't really disagree. Uh, before we get to this interview with Rob, I, we can't move on without talking about our own Chicago Bears. We had uh, no first-round draft picks, a lot of trading up from Mr. Ryan Pace. Uh, champ, your takeaway – on the draft moves that Ryan Pace made over the course of the seven rounds. 
I wish he would have just. I wish the draft could have just stopped after the second round because after the <laughs> second round there was a lot of questionable picks as far as I'm concerned. I do. The one pick I did enjoy was the kid from Tulane, Darnell, the speedster. They needed some speed uh, with their wide receivers. We talked about this last week, how they needed an influx of speed. I think he's going to help them in that aspect. He's a little undersized. He's not very big, but he's fast as fuck, and they needed that. I loved both of their second-round picks. I know people are going to say, do they really need the tight end? Yes, Jimmy Graham is a one-year fix. Jimmy Graham is going to be a... It's going to be hopefully a nice piece this year, but you can't count on Jimmy Graham in the future. Cole Komet is going to step in. He's going to be hopefully the tight end for this team for the next five to seven years. So I like that pick. And Jalen Johnson, I am extremely excited about. He is an absolute ball hawk cornerback. He's aggressive. I think him opposite of Kyle Fuller, because Kyle Fuller isn't as aggressive as some of the top cornerbacks in football. He's a great corner, not, needless to say. He was a first-team All-Pro a couple years ago, Pro Bowler again last year. He's a great player. But to have a guy like a Jalen Johnson opposite of him that's going to take chances, that's going to be aggressive, I think it's going to be an extreme change of pace from Prince of Mukamara because he was not aggressive at all. He was a kind of a laid-back corner. He would play zone a lot. I think the Bears fans are going to like Jalen Johnson a lot, so I love that pick. So as a whole, you know, probably a pretty decent draft for Ryan Pace. I just wish like we've been talking about for years, that he would just take more guys from bigger fucking schools and stop trying to outsmart everybody in the room and take all these guys from Tulsa and Tulane and Georgia Southern and Southwest Missouri State or whatever the fuck these guys are drafted from. (laughs) So if he would do that, I'd be a lot happier, man. Jer, tell me why you like Ahmad Wagner as an undrafted free agent more than any of the actual draft picks Ryan Pace made. That's where we're at with the Bears draft, folks. I am selling myself on an undrafted free agent that used to play basketball that is formerly a wide receiver at Kentucky who Rob quoted, quote-unquote, says had the worst quarterback play in all of Power 5 schools. But the dude is 6'5", 245 pounds, and if I know anything about Ryan Pace in the tight end position, it means he's not going to get it right with his draft picks. So why not have the guy that's built like Antonio Gates pop off? And gave me a former Hawkeye back on that offense to match up with our boy on the line. Ryan Pace is so in love with a good story that he has two guys who used to play basketball now trying to play football on his roster. Another tight end, I don't remember his name, but there are two of those guys currently on the roster. So go Bears. So if if Ahmad Wagner makes the team, are you allowed to say former Hawkeye because he never played football at all? Yes, this podcast will. Okay, that's fine. I would agree. Hey, Fran McCaffrey somehow went to him with offers to play at really good programs for football and said, come play basketball for me instead. And he did. Yeah. And he fucking did. And he played. He was a not a horrible player. I mean, he was pretty I mean, solid. every time he stepped foot on the court, everybody was like, he should be playing tight end for Kirk. But... <laughs> And we put as many you put as many guys from the basketball team in the NFL as Iowa State has football players in the NFL. So it works out. Go clowns! Zero players drafted. Nice job, boys. <laughs> hey, hey, don't worry. Their quarterback's going to be a first-rounder next year going get, to the Bears, according to that, a mock draft maybe, I saw. Maybe you should give uh, your coach another fucking 10 years of extensions because uh, he's really producing that NFL talent. Well, champ, when Brock Purdy's our quarterback for the Bears next year, you're going to really eat those words. Let's not bring those negative thoughts into my mind. Champ, would you champ? Would you rather have Mitch Trubisky f- for his fifth-year option next year or Brock Purdy? 
Uh, I'd rather have Sean Mannion. Nope, that's not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on that note, let's get to our interview with Rob, and then we'll be back after that to wrap up the show. We're going to answer the question we asked Rob to, to end the interview with him. And we'll uh, we'll get out of here on that one. So here's the interview with Rob. Really good stuff. You're going to love it. We'll be back after that. What's up, guys? We are now joined by NFL Draft Analyst, Blackheart Gold Pants contributor. He is at Rob CFB on Twitter. It's or sorry, Rob DFB on Twitter. It's Rob Donaldson. Rob, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for hopping on. We wanted, we figured we'd have you the perfect person to have on to break down the NFL draft that happened last weekend. Uh, and we figured what better way to kind of recap where the Hawkeyes landed as a guy who's been putting up tons of posts on Blackheart Gold Pants, breaking down, getting some scouting reports, and the most recent post on how Tristan Wirfs fits in with the Tampa Bay Bucks. So we had to have you on and talk about some Hawkeyes. But before we do that, let's kick things off with this. It's everyone's favorite thing, our NFL draft comps, comps to NFL players. So what are your thoughts on draft guys making NFL comps to these prospects that you see leading up into every single NFL draft? You know, I think it can be fun because, you know, it gives fans like sort of the idea of what they can become, like the finished project, ver- like the product version of what they can become, right? But th- it's just so weird. And there's always like, you know, different variables that you got to factor in, you know, like they're, not everybody's going to become from the same college, same background, their journey is going to be different their traits are going to be different in certain areas. Like it's really hard to find a guy that is totally a hundred percent carbon copy of a different player. So I always just kind of approach it as, you know, this is what, this is the kind of production, how his usage is going to be in the NFL, like sort of like things like that. that are more general. It's, it's a great, it's a great way to handle them. My follow up question to that is, do you have a comp that you have made either going to this most recent NFL draft or any other, and then ones you've looked at before that you're, that's been your favorite, which any comps that have stuck out to you as, as things that you've made or things you've heard that you kind of agree with? Yeah, uh, th- that's a really tough question. Um, <laughs> Is it I, Ahmad Wagner being Antonio Gates? Right, Antonio Gates, Jimmy Graham. Everybody's going to throw those, those, you know, basketball player convert kind of comps out there. Um, I, I can't think of any comps that I just – absolutely fell in love with like I compared Julio Johnson to um Kwan Short I think that's been pretty accurate so far in the league they're kind of sort of like a, a player that can get that pass rusher like pass rushing production but it's more of like a run game kind of player so I think maybe that's been my more most accurate one so far that's a good one that is a good one. Let's let's pivot real quick to what everybody's here to, to kind of hear us talk about. It's the Hawkeyes. Uh, right off the top, I'm just kind of curious on which Hawkeye ended up in the best spot, in your opinion. And um, to follow up with that, what do you think the best case scenario for those? Yeah, I I think you know with those early round guys, like that's going to usually be the best case scenario, just because they're drafting a guy and they're going to put a lot of stock into him. They're going to get the best chance. And I think Tristan Wirfs landed in the absolute perfect spot, um, not just because of their identity. And I put like sort of a video on talking about what they want to do and establishing the run and sort of, and having a better just right tackle in general. But aside from that, they have so much depth at right tackle right now with, you know, they have Joe Hegg, who they just brought in from free agency. He played college ball at North Coast State. He ended up at the Colts, had an injury last year. If the like in theory you know if there's not a preseason or there's no camp or whatever 
and they don't want to start Tristan Wirfs for whatever reason right away, they don't have to. They can kick him inside the guard too. Alex Cap is not the best guard at right guard. So it, there's definitely like a fallback option. There's a safety net if he's not ready to go a right tackle right away. I think he is, but that's definitely the best situation right now for any of the Hawkeyes that got drafted. Well, that's the best part about Tristan Wirfs. Like, he, he, the entire time he was at Iowa, he was playing probably on the opposite side just to, just to make up for Alaric Jackson and what his skill sets and talents were. I think we all three agree, and obviously you do as well, that him being able to walk into that situation with Tom Brady, having Gronk on his outside at some point more than likely, um, and the receivers that they've added, it's one of the best situations for any player to go walking into, let alone one of our best offensive linemen that we've ever produced. Right, and he's not going to have to pick up the slack on, you know, having, oh, he's the only shining bright area on this offense. You know, like that, that offense is so complete. They can attack you in so many different ways. So if he's struggling in a certain area, they can, they can avoid it and actually be still successful and not hold him back. And also, like, Gronk lining up right next to him on the right side of the line of scrimmage, he's one of the best run-blocking tight ends in all of the NFL. I, mm-hmm. I, I know he lost maybe, what, like 10 pounds? Or maybe 15 pounds since he like left the NFL. He's got that WWE weight coming back on. Yeah, he'll he'll put that right back on. I'm sure. Oh, hundred percent. Like he's immediately probably already up like eight pounds since he like the WWE belt won or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) twenty four seven championship. (laughs) Right. Yeah. There you go. There you go. But yeah, you know, just having that say like that Gronk like lining up next to you and being able to affect like the ends and outside linebackers. That's gonna make a big adjustment too. Like it's just gonna be a perfect kind of situation for him to step into. Nice. Not to be negative here, because we all love our Hawkeyes. But what do you think um, the 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 Hawkeye that's gonna have the most trouble getting on the field right away out of these drafted players? Right. So I'm gonna avoid Nate Stanley and Geno Stone, obviously. Um, Nate's gonna play. <laughs> Don't even get a start. Playoff with Nate. time, baby. Nate, Jer- playoff time. Jerry has Jerry this Perry. love for Nate Stanley. I, it's just ridiculous. So, yes, I'm so <laughs> glad you left him out because we don't need to hear any more about Nate Stanley. <laughs> he has a shot to make that roster, but yeah, it's just, it's not worth talking about when, you know, he's fighting for practice squad third stringer, you know. Exactly. Um, I will say the toughest spot, and I don't even like the fit in general like at least on paper is AJ Epinesa of the bills. Really? Uh, yeah. I don't like it. Uh, he's sort of, so he's gotten that body type where I think his playing weight last year was probably like 285 and the combine, he came in at 275 mm-hmm. and you know, everybody's going to make the big deal about his, you know, speed and his bend right on the edge and his ability to be a four, three end and pass rusher. And he's stepping into that kind of role where the guy that he's going to be replacing role wise, weighs 250 and Trent Murphy, and I think that the Bills might be going for a scheme switch. When you look at the guys they brought in the free agency, they brought in Mario Addison from the Carolina Panthers, and they brought in um, Quentin Jefferson. So a bunch of guys that can play five tech, can switch, um, go out to four, three, the end, and can also play three tech. So I think what their game plan is, is actually going to actually be to bulk up AJ and make him play three tech on passing downs and then five tech on most like given downs. So I don't know if that's utilizing his strengths that well, you know, cause right now they have Ed Oliver at three tech and on the other side of the line of scrimmage, they have a nose tack. So it's, he's looking at rotational time and his ceiling might just be 
you know, a, a permanent five tech in the NFL with maybe seven sack, eight sack maximum. Were you high on him coming into this draft? And do you think they, you don't understand why he slipped? Or do you think he kind of went in the right spot based on what you just mentioned with him kind of losing that weight, not being fast off the edge? I mean, he's known for his stone hands, but I think that's really about it as far as the pass rush goes. Yeah, you know, um, I, I loved him coming into the draft. I, and I still love him. I still love his potential and his talent. And he's ready to go right away just based on his hand usage. I mean, a lot of these pass rushers and guys that can get after the passer are just throwing dip moves and they don't have any counters. So, like, the fact that he doesn't have a whole lot of counters, that's sort of on par with a lot of the guys that are coming to the NFL right away. But what makes him so different is that he has such a variety of hand moves. Like, he has, a, he has great, like, technique and strategy, and he doesn't set – he sets up moves really well. And he also – you know, he keeps his head up. He's so strong and so lengthy that he doesn't really get pressed a lot by offensive linemen. You know, offensive linemen, the, the biggest goal – if you, if anybody's ever played offensive line, they'll tell you. They want to keep the defender as close to them as they possibly can. He is so strong and so lengthy that that separation just – it applies to both the run game and also the pass game. And, you know, I really like him and I still like his potential, but I just think he ended up in a kind of a tough spot. Is there one team that you maybe think he would have been ahead a better spot to end up on? Yeah, that was, that's an interesting question because there was a lot of teams that are sort of in, like I was kind of looking at to maybe like throughout the draft and I was like, Oh, this is the spot he could go. This is the spot he'd go. I was thinking Seattle was a good spot. I was thinking New England was a really good spot. And I was thinking Detroit was a really good spot. Thank God I didn't happen in Detroit. <laughs> yeah. You know, and also, you know, Chicago would have been an interesting spot too. I, I thought he could have fit that Pernell McPhee kind of role, but that defense changed a little bit. So it, it's, there was a lot of teams that could take him on. But as I talked about in sort of my preview of him as a prospect, it's just – it's such an, it's a, you're taking a project on regardless what you're changing his body type in one way or the other, you know, and he's not a guy who is going to get starting reps right away unless you're just totally desperate, which, and granted the bills aren't. So that's kind of a positive. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, you talked about the, the two highest drafted guys. We're going to leave Nate Stanley out kind of maybe get into him a little bit here. Gino stone, uh, but really want to get your best case scenario for these other guys that haven't been mentioned. So Let's go with Michael Ojemudier, Geno Stone, and I mean maybe Nate Stanley a little bit if you want to rile Jerry. Definitely up. Nate Stanley. <laughs> case <laughs> scenario. Just best case scenarios for these guys. You don't need full breakdowns on how they fit with their teams, but where how do you see them where they shook out uh, by who by the team that drafted them? Yeah, um, Michael Ojemudier is going to definitely get some early playing time, um, and I think it's going to be very interesting because he's kind of like one of those boomer bust guys. You know, he he's super aggressive. So one of the, the comparison I actually gave him before the draft was a keep to leave in the most optimistic sense. So, you know, there, there's some, definitely some similarities there. Good thing Michael Crabtree's not in the <laughs> league anymore because he'd just be ripping <laughs> off his chain. So that's, that's probably good for OJ. Right. <laughs> exactly. No Michael Crabtree, no chain snatch. And he's actually a super nice kid, OJ Moodya. I believe super, that. Super, super nice interview. Absolutely. So yeah, Geno Stone was a guy I think, I know Champ and me, I think Jerry too, all were really high on from filling a need for the Bears. But how do you think best case scenario works out with him in Baltimore? Yeah, I was really surprised he slipped that far. Um, I had a fifth yeah. round grade on him. So I wasn't as high on him as maybe some others were, but 
it, it's just he the thing is gonna that's gonna bog him down is just his tightness in his hips and change of direction and you hear a lot with Iowa corners and Iowa DBs but it's in particular it's with him because I loved Monty Hooker last year but I think Geno Stone just doesn't have that change of direction like when with like you saw tight ends tear him up a little bit down the seam and just guys weren't throwing it to the the guy he was guarding so I think that ideally he's going to latch on to special teams and he has the athleticism and just sort of the the draw like the aggressiveness and like the one track mind to make a special teams unit so I think that's probably like the best idea uh, best case scenario right away do you think he did himself a disservice by going into the draft early do you think he could have moved up a few rounds maybe been a third or fourth round pick if he stayed another year or do you just think it, those hips and the, what you talked about is just something that he couldn't even get better with even going back to school for another season I so it's one of those things where I don't think that he could have done much else to improve his stock. I think his stock is what it's going to be. Um, maybe if he stood out to his senior year and he goes through the senior bowl showcase and then goes through the cycle in that way. And also you're dealing with um, no pro days this year and um, virtual interviews. It, you know, obviously in hindsight with that too, like maybe staying another year would have been more beneficial, but as far as just tape wise, I don't think he could have improved the stock that much higher. So Rob, with that said, like, do you have any theories on why Iowa guys always seem to fall in the draft, especially like those corners and DBs that you've, you mentioned? Yeah. Um, the guys that usually get pushed up. So like, for example, there's some guys that rise higher than expectations and that's because, you know, they have incredible measurables and, uh, and length and, you know, Tristan Wirfs definitely was a guy that blew up the combine and, has this video of him jumping out of the pool, right? So everybody knows he's a great athlete. There's a reason why he went round one. Um, Michael Ujimudia, a lot of people had a third round, third, day three grade on him. So him going in on third round speaks to his incredible length and the fact that he posted some pretty good numbers at the combine too. Um, I think that what holds Iowa players back is that it's sort of like the Alabama effect too with some of these guys is they're almost physically maxed. Their, pro, their strength program is so, you know, incredible oh. that there's just no room to build on some of these guys that's and so I, interesting yeah because you know you'll see like for example cd lamb you know one of the highest receivers in this year's draft right spread offense he's kind of raw as a route runner but he's 6'3 180 okay so there's 20 pounds of room that you could <laughs> theoretically use or build up as an nfl strength program and you can mold the guy that you want you know you can say all right, now we're going to cut it at 190 because that's when your quickness kind of cuts off, and then we'll go from there. But losing weight and cutting weight and kind of trying to mold the weight that's already there for Iowa players and Alabama players and some of these programs that have really great strength conditioning programs can become sort of a negative sometimes. I just find it fascinating that NFL GMs and scouts, they have take so much value in athleticism versus actual college production. It blows my mind that you have guys who, and this really isn't a question, more of an observation, but like Ryan Pace, for example, loves to take the small, the small school guys who have, who are big, who are athletic, who are fast, Tariq Cohen, Adam Shaheen come to mind as champ shaking his head versus like the year they took Adam Shaheen, they, they passed on George Kittle multiple times. Like they just bypassed college production for potential and size and athleticism. And it, it just doesn't, maybe you can explain it. Maybe you can't, but it just, it doesn't make any sense to me. I have no idea why. Yeah, so with athleticism, so like 
it's all about the QB's like frame of mind. And a lot of these guys are traditionalists, you know, there's not a lot of young blood in, in the just like GMs and decision makers, you know, it's just how it is. And a lot of these guys look at cornerback and say, all right, that's the most, most athletic position in all of sports. You know, you don't know where the receiver's going. You have to be able to adjust to these guys that are running four twos. You have to be able to backpedal really smoothly and you have to be quick out of your, your breaks. And you're, they're saying, all right, if you don't run under five, four or five, and you're not crazy long, then I'd rather go try to get the guy who is because corners are kind of, you know, uh, a dime and a dozen, you know, like you just, you don't, there's not a lot of great cornerback play out there. So they're trying to find the guy that breaks just the average corner into something great. And that's what usually happens with that position. But then you go to the edge and a lot of the guys you see on the edge producing are great athletes. So it, it becomes sort of the thing that, you know, athleticism matters at certain positions and maybe not so much at others. And then you have traditional guys who think that winning at quarterback position matters, you know, and they'll draft overdraft those guys like Tua and, or, or Justin Herbert. Those guys are kind of looked at as, Oh, that's, you know, that's a positive because they won games. Whereas Patrick Mahomes slips because he won, you know, six games in three years or whatever it was. So So with DC mentioning the bears and Ryan pace, we might as well get into that now since he depressed me mentioning those (laughs) lovely small school picks that Ryan pace had just a couple quick questions on the bears draft overall. I know they didn't have a lot of draft capital going into this draft, not having a first third or fourth round pick going in. Uh, what was your overall assessment of their draft as a whole, just with, you know, some of the picks that they had? Yeah, I thought that they got value um, past the second round, uh, quite a few spots. I like Darnell Moody, Mooney out of Tulane. I really liked his film. Um, I didn't dive into him that deep, but I, he's a guy that really flashed. So there's some excitement there. Uh, Jalen Johnson, I'm really excited about. He was a guy I really liked other than the injuries. And then, you know, I think that they filled the need at tight end. Um, I don't think that was the right pick in that spot. And I don't think that I probably wouldn't be spending a second round pick on Cole Komet, but you know, I think that they, I think it was a decent draft all around and they touched on areas that they needed and got a lot of value. So that's kind of the rhyme pace way to go about it. You know, what would you at, at 43? I, you just said you wouldn't have gone Cole What would you have gone? One of those safeties that went, you know, pretty much the next two picks right after that. Would you have gone one of those, you know, other receivers, you know, obviously they drafted Darnell later in the draft, but what would you have done with uh, 43 if you were Ryan Pace and the bears? Yeah. I can't remember um, who exactly was still on the board at that point, but uh, I was thinking and my, I, when I was watching the draft, all in my mind, I was thinking AJ Epinesa. I was just like, all right, this team's okay. Finally, this team's going to draft him. But looking back on it, I remember seeing some names that I was kind of drawn to. I just don't think this was a great tight end class. And I thought the value at tight end was probably in round three or early round four. So that, and that's kind of where I had Cole Komet pegged. So I was kind of surprised that he went that, that soon. So we, I mean, just to go back through it, it was Delpit, Winfield Jr., K.J. Hamler, all three guys, all three of us really liked and I think would have been pleased with. I don't know if any of those guys stuck out to you or not, but that was kind of the immediate right after. Yeah, Delpit definitely is a guy that I really liked. Um, was the the the, um, the Ryan guy still on the board, the safety, or did he go? 
Uh, he went. I think he went late, earlier before that to the to the Patriots, like early second round. Okay. Okay. He yeah, was that... like, I think, like late thirties in the second round. So I don't think he was on the board yet. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I think you know, it, it wasn't my favorite safety class either. Even though there were some guys, but Delpit would have definitely been an interesting pick, and de- and he would have been a good fit there, I think, too. So you said that you you would love Jalen Johnson. I think we all do. I think we thought that was a wonderful pick. Cole Komet, you said maybe, uh, you know, a round later you would have gone with them. With that being said, they were both second-round picks for the Bears. We're kind of expecting them to step in and, you know, be players right away. Do you think they got two day-one starters with those two picks, or do you think it's going to be a little bit of an adjustment for either of them, whether it's Johnson or Komet? I don't think it's going to be that much of an adjustment. Um, I will say Cole Komet's probably not going to be, you know, the day one starter. They, they've got some guys that kind of fill that role already with Demetrius Harris. They got Jimmy Graham, obviously. Um, I think that he's going to be starting midway through the season. I think he's just he's, – he's good at getting separation. He just, he just kind of knows how to um, get open and, and find the zones in the middle. So I think that he's going to be a guy that once the Mitch Trubisky kind of – falters a little bit or whoever falters a little bit Nick Foles or him both uh, <laughs> both even yeah I think that they're just going to be trying a bunch of different stuff you know uh Jalen Johnson is going to get opportunity too and I think I think he's ready to go I the only thing I see holding back is just getting hurt again and mm-hmm. I I don't put a whole lot of stock in injuries because I just don't know how to factor those in really I mean, until the Bears got Eddie Jackson back and when they drafted him he fell because he had that broken collarbone or broken leg the same reason 100%. yeah right. yep you know, even with like serious injuries, I'm not a doctor. So I just, you know, I, I kind of just evaluate what I can and go with that. Well, we do want you to evaluate something. And that is Ahmad Wagner, who I know <laughs> a lot of people around Iowa athletics are familiar with. I know you're not high on Cole Komet after talking to you now, but the Bears did sign Ahmad Wagner after the draft was over. This is a guy that's six foot five, nearly 250 pounds. We know about his basketball background. We know that he was like one or two in the state of Ohio for football rankings out of uh, for college recruiting and rankings. So, Rob, am I really out of line for thinking that he's going to be the next Antonio Gates and the next Jimmy Grant? <laughs> I, you know, it's interesting, right? Because he, you expect a lot with a lot of these like tight end to uh, our um, basketball player to tight end kind of converts. You know, you've seen it with Mo Alley Cox. Enrico gathers in recent years from Baylor and BCU. Um, they just kind of look a little bit robotic. Like they just, they feel like it looks like they're counting their steps out there. Like they're trying to, all right, one, two cut or one, two, three curl. You know, it's just, it, it, it doesn't feel like natural, but when you watch him, my Wagner, you know, this is a guy, he wasn't even playing tight end. Right. Like, He's a receiver. He, he was a receiver. So like, and he was moving like a receiver. He, he, He's really obviously like get the obvious point out of the way first. He's definitely raw, like super raw. Incredible. He doesn't use his hands. He doesn't know how to stack receivers. He has no body. He doesn't know how to use his frame on the top of like his routes. So, but if he does, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, and I, I'm telling you, he he's got incredible hands. He the amount of times he adjusted some to some really poor balls, it it was just it was actually like kind of incredible because. He was going behind his back. He was going up. He was going low. And Kentucky put out probably the worst quarterback play in all power five last year, I think. It was abysmal. I, I can't believe that that's what they fielded at quarterback, that kind of team, to win eight games too. Um, yeah. You know, it, 
he's going to be taking on a lot. Um, he's definitely a big project, and because he's undrafted, it just kind of – it's going to be interesting to watch because he's not, he's not a blocker yet, you know, and the, I, don't, I just don't know how long they're going to hang on to a guy, especially if there's no preseason or camp. You know? And they've already drafted now six receivers since the Ryan Pace era. They have 10 tight ends on the roster already. He's got a lot of people to jump, Jer. He could jump Shaheen right now. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like this would be a perfect practice squad player. Like he could, you know, develop over the year on the practice squad. I don't think anybody's jumping to sign Ahmad Wagner, even if he has a great preseason, if there even is a preseason at this point. It sounds like this could be a guy that would be, you know, a nice developmental piece in her practice squad and then maybe turns into something later on. The only thing I don't want to see is him get cut by the Bears and Aaron Rodgers' team scoops him up and he's now the new future tight end for the Packers for the next Aaron, Did you mean Jordan Love's team? Well, because you know, think, it's still Aaron Rodgers' team for right now. <laughs> what would you think of that? Just real quick, what did you think about that <laughs> pick with the Packers? Having Aaron Rodgers and then going Jordan Love in the first round, what, what was your opinion on that? Unreal. I mean <laughs> – they're going to be looking to exercise his fifth-year option, and Aaron Rodgers is going to be finishing out his contract. Yep, yeah. crazy. They're going to have to crazy. make that decision. I mean, <laughs> we, love, we loved it as Bears fans because they didn't improve their team in the next, even the next couple years. I mean, it made no sense. So. Right, and in the second round, they went running back. <laughs> yeah. They didn't even draft a receiver, didn't they? No, no receivers they again. They've, I mean, they never draft receivers to help Aaron Rodgers. And they traded up ahead of teams and let, that already held head quarterbacks. Yeah. Baffling. It, it was really baffling. I, I was so shocked. I can't. Well, can you it. explain the Jalen Hurts pick real quick? So that one hurt my soul just because, like, again, wh- what are they doing? <laughs> what is going Great. on? Can't wait that? to have my father-in-law listen to this now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll get you here. Get you out of here on this one. Go back to the Hawkeyes. Prediction time. No one's gonna care about this a year Not from now. Care. Jerry might care, but he's going to be the only one. Make a prediction either next year or whenever. The next first-round Iowa draft pick will be who? Wow. Um, I stole gonna, this from the Blackheart Goldpan Slack channel. I don't remember who posted it, but I liked it, so I'm stealing it and making it a question for you. That's a really good question. Um, I'm going to go – there's just nobody right now that I'm seeing has the potential of the young guys – um, so I'm going to just go with Spencer, Pet- Spencer Petrus, you know? Yeah. Let's go with the unknown. Let's see if he can do it. That would be great. Cause right. Bob, you're just pumping me up right now. <laughs> you could have said Sam Laporta as well. And that would have been the correct answer. Sam Laporta is definitely another one. He moves pretty well. I, I definitely overlooked that in my answer. Jerry is the number one uh, supporter of the Sam Laporta fan club, if you didn't know that. He's a big he, Sam Laporta fan. He was preaching for Sam Laporta midway through the season last year. Thank you. <laughs> I'm actually uh, good friends with one of the tight ends, Sean Byer. So, uh, I, you know, I, I got to root for my boy Sean to get Absolutely. some playing time and hope maybe we got no fan TJ Hawkinson situation again. Listen, you know. nobody wrote a more better review of Sean Byer's situation than I did last year in the tight end preview on Black Heart Gold Pants. So you all can go back and see that I'm a big believer in Big Red. I love it. I love it. So real quick, though, too, Alaric Jackson finishing this season. He's going to be a senior. Do you project him as somebody that can make some extra steps as far as his NFL career before you go? He's going to have a lot of people criticizing his technique when he comes out. It's that, just okay. it's too far off right now to 
get to a point of refinement where people are like, all right, this guy's probably going to be, you know, up there with Tristan Wirfs level, you know, if he tests well, which is possible, but I also think it could be on the other side of the spectrum where he tests kind of like, you know, five, four, oh, I know brownish. Ooh. Um, Ooh. Yeah, it could, it could be, it could be ugly. I don't know if he's a superb athlete. Okay. All right, Rob, thank you so much for taking the time and joining us tonight. You guys can follow him on Twitter at Rob DFB. You can see him on Black Heart Gold Pants. You can subscribe to his YouTube channel. He has great, I'm assuming you're going to be posting great content. We loved it. Had to have you on the podcast to talk about it. So uh, make sure you guys are all following him, reading him, watching his video breakdowns on Black Heart Gold Pants. Rob, thank you so much for joining Thanks, us. Thanks, Rob. Thank you, Rob. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. It was a lot of fun. Go Steelers. There you go. We are back. Thank you, Rob, for joining us to talk a little bit of the NFL draft and the Hawkeyes and where their best spots and best case scenario for those guys are. Talking a little the Bears because, of course, we can't get away from talking about our Chicago Bears on this podcast. And uh, a little bit of Ahmad Wagner talking a little bit of NFL draft as a whole. But we ended the show, we ended the interview with Rob by asking him to guess who the, the next first round draft pick for the Iowa Hawkeyes are going to be. So the same question to you two. He said, Spencer Petrus, champ, who would you who would you pick to be the next first round draft pick of the Iowa Hawkeyes? So first off, I feel I don't know about you guys, but I feel a lot smarter after talking to Rob. That made me feel made me feel very enlightened. I mean, he he had some great content Five tech, there. Three tech. I mean, he, he knows what the hell he's talking about. That was a great interview. I can't wait to watch some of these Iowa players and some of these other players we discussed. But for me, in the future, I'm going to go with a, a wild card here. I know that running backs don't get drafted a lot in the first round nowadays, but I'm going to go with Tyler Goodson. I just think he's so dynamic in that backfield for Iowa. I think he's going to be – the focal point of the offense this coming season with a young Spencer Petras back there. Uh, I think he's going to get plenty of touches, not only in the run game, but in the pass game. And he is the perfect running back for today's NFL. They like to throw to the running back. They like splitting the running backs out into pass packages. They like getting the ball, the running back, the ball in space. Just look at some of these running backs that the, the only running back this year that was drafted in the first round, Clyde Edwards, Alaire from LSU I would love Tyler Goodson to become that in his next couple years at Iowa. So I'm going to go with Tyler Goodson. I think he's going to be a great player for the Hawkeyes. And I think, hell, he could be a late first-round pick in a couple seasons. Tyler Goodson's a first-round pick. He's having a hell of a career at the University of Iowa. Yes, sir. And I, and I'm going to, and I said a couple seasons. So I'm thinking two great years. He leaves early after his junior year and becomes a first-round pick. Whew. That means some good things for Iowa Hawkeye fans. I think if that happens, Jer, who are you making your prediction on the next first round draft pick of the Iowa Hawkeyes? Tell me why it can't be Amir Smith-Marset. Ooh. I mean, talk tell about me, athleticism. Tell me why after what you saw with USC, and let's just imagine and assume that Spencer Petras is going to be able to step into this program. And he's got a big cannon. He's going to be able to at least – be a third, two-thirds of what Nate Stanley was. Tell me why Amir Smith-Marset can't go in the late first round to a team like the Philadelphia Eagles, that what they did this past year, or in the past dra- the draft this past week. He runs like a sub-4-5, super athletic, can catch the ball vertically, he can catch it in a screen pass, he can make people miss, super dynamic. Rob just got done telling us, and that's why it popped in my mind, 
that these guys want to go based off potential. And the potential of Amir Smith-Marset is a big home run type guy in an NFL that is all offense, big hitters. I, I have a feeling that I'm going to put, I'm going to stay, I'm going to plant my flag in Amir Smith-Marset. I like that pick. I really do. I mean, you, you hit this hit the nail on the head. Rob just told us guys, athletic guys get moved up draft boards way more over than college production. And Amir Smith, Amir Smith-Marset could have both. Production you know, on top of athleticism. You know who Amir Smith-Marset reminds me so much of? And he was a first-round pick. It's Percy Harvin. I mean, Percy Harvin at Florida was an, a dynamic kick returner. And Amir Smith-Marset is obviously the best kick returner in all of college football right now. He can, like Jer said, he can play in the slot. He can go outside. He's got speed. Amir Smith-Marset could, could be a Percy Harvin-type player in the NFL he was a first-round pick. That would be ideal. I think that's a great call by Drew. I will go with the guy we talked about at the end of the interview, end of the interview with Rob. I will say Sam Laporta, keeping tight end U tradition alive and well. I just think he was so dynamic at the end of the year. He's only going to continue to grow, and his presence in this offense is going to just become more and more important as you get new quarterbacks okay. in there. Tight end, best quarterback's best friend. And uh, I think you're going to see Sam Laporta shoot up draft boards when he becomes eligible to to leave the, the uh, leave the college football ranks. If we have football this year, this offense is going to be so much fun. Stop with the if shit. We're going to have football. <laughs> you have to be positive. Just there won't be any fans in this in Kinnick Stadium. Just, Who cares? I will probably win more. <laughs> <laughs> Kinnick magic goes away if uh, <laughs> if they don't have fans. Oh, good. I want Penn State at Penn State magic. Okay, that's fine. All right, guys, anything else to wrap up the show this week? I think just a little tease. There's some big recruiting stuff happening this weekend. And I think we're going to have our fearless leader on to give us all the details on what Iowa is doing. Maybe they're dropping bags. Who knows? But we're starting to get some recruits coming to town, folks. That athleticism thing is, is changing quickly, and we're not going to have any draft followers anymore in this Iowa Hawkeye program. I'm going to have – I'm going to be pitching a tent for a long time. Let's just put it that way. Jeremy has to go see a doctor. <laughs> it's been longer than six hours, folks. <laughs> Who needs Viagra? We just have Iowa Hawkeyes. That's all we need. Who needs Viagra when you have Brian Ferentz? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly, champ. Say it again. <laughs> that should be a teacher, a t-shirt. Who needs Viagra? Dot 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 on the back if you have Brian Ferris. <laughs> Boom. All right, guys. Follow us on Twitter at Jerry Sherwin, at Shy People's Champ, at Dave Cray, at BHGP. You can follow Rob again at Rob DFB. Uh, subscribe to the show. Tell a friend and tell a friend and subscribe to the show. We're on every platform you can listen to a podcast on. And we'll talk to you guys again next week. We'll be back Sunday night with the last dance reaction as well. Uh, go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Sam Laporta. Trick or treat, Iowa City. <laughs> if you don't love it, leave it. USA, number one. <laughs>